We want to welcome all of our listeners to another episode of Minority Report podcast with Eric and Carell. Each episode, we talk with leaders in business, tech, and media. And today, joining us is Tamika Key, who's the head of content at AdMonsters. Let's jump in and get to know Tamika. Tamika, welcome. How are you? Well, well, hello there. How are you? (laughs) We are super happy you're here to hang with us. Mm -hmm. I'm excited that I finally get to be on the podcast. As a longtime listener and fan, I was wondering when I was going to have my chance. (laughs) You're here now. I'm here now. You're here now. Tamika, we know you. Mm -hmm. But for those that don't know you, can you tell us a little bit about you? Tell us about where you were born and where you were raised. (laughs) Oh, wow. Wow. I am actually from Queens and Long Island, New York, originally actually Long Island on the border of Queens and Long Island. I actually grew up in a couple of different parts of Queens, but Far Rockaway, which is, I tell people like I grew up on the beach in New York and they're always like, what? And I was like, yeah, people surfed where I, you know, where I, where I lived. (laughs) But yeah, so I'm from Queens and definitely around the way girl who moved to California about 13 years ago. And so now I say I'm a California girl from New York because it's beautiful and sunny and there's nature here. And whenever I go back to New York, I'm like, why is everybody so angry? (laughs) (laughs) You're uh, growing up there and and then spending some time in California. I mean, Mm -hmm. kind of of different, right? Mm -hmm. Very different. different. Tell us about your family. My family is still in New York, actually. I joke that, I lived in the hood burbs because it was like the last stop on the train, the last stop on the E train, then the last stop on a bus, and then a 10 block walk to my parents' house. And we had a pool, you know, we had a yard, but then like two blocks over, people got shot and stuff. So it was like the hood, it's the hood burbs, you know? It was as great a childhood, I think, as you can have in New York with the quote unquote inner city stuff that that you deal with. But I mean, like I went to a high school for sort of like gifted and talented people. So we got to go to, we got to go to Broadway plays. We got to do all of these things. So I, I joke and say it's the hood burbs, but that's sort of what it was, right? Like I got some of the street education that comes from, that comes from being in New York and kind of learning how to hold yourself in the street and and kind of the toughness that comes along with that, right? Which I think is a good thing. I think I think you need a little bit of toughness to kind of deal with the world, mm-hmm. including the business world. But then sort of the softness of of being in a program that sort of encouraged your brain to grow mm-hmm. in a very specific way. Yeah, no, that that's that's really cool. It's amazing when you think about those experiences now too, right? Like mm-hmm. when you're going through them at that age. You don't always sort of make that connection about how that's going to sort of impact you later, you know? So it's kind of fun to think about, right? No. And, you know, it's, it's a thing I talk with. I talk with my boyfriend about it. I talk with other people. It, it's just sort of like there's nature and nurture, right? And like, again, we, and I mean, I don't know how deep we're getting into this already, but like obviously systemic racism and all these issues, there are lots of issues that impact people and their ability to grow and earn money and, and think creatively, if you will. But at a certain point, there's also a choice, right? Like you have to choose perhaps to want something better. But if you, maybe if you have examples of this other things that you can want, yeah. then you can actually choose them. Absolutely. <laughs> the, the exposure, right? The just sort of being able to see things firsthand mm-hmm. is uh, really powerful. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you mentioned business earlier and I mean, you've worked with some great companies yes. and, you, and you found it. Some yeah. companies too. Mm-hmm. And now you're at Ad Monsters. Tell mm-hmm. us a little bit about what's going on there. It's exciting. Yeah, Ad Monsters is 
crazy and awesome. And it was sort of like, so I was not looking for a job at all. As you mentioned, yeah, I've, I've worked for myself for quite some time. So at the end of 2018, I launched a company called The Influx Lab. And we were producing events. And I produced our first event in produced our first event in 2018. It was amazing. It's called the Reality Mixer. And then I spent 2019 sort of, you know, working on content and stuff like that with a goal of producing a bigger series of events in mm. 2020. And then you've done some big events. And I've, been, I've, you- <laughs> I've, I've, I've been I've been at some of them and they're amazing. And I was like, wow. <laughs> but you know what happened nice. in 2020. And so there were no, there were no events in 2020, let alone from like an independent company. Right. And so thankfully I, I got a PPP loan among other things last year and was able, and I had some content marketing clients. So I was able to kind of pull it together. But at the beginning of the year, Gavin, who you guys know, Gavin left Ad Monsters and there was just this sort of void. And Lynn D. Johnson, who's the editor who I've known for years, sent me a note and was like, Hey, would you be interested in this? And I was like, Huh. Huh. If there if there was a job that was right for me, it's about ad tech and it's about events and I get to travel and have fun and and sort of nerd out about ad tech. This is probably the job I should take. I should probably take this job, you know? That's well awesome. not take it. I should probably apply for this job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shouts to Lynn. Yes. Yeah, Shouts to, to Gavin for all those yeah. years. And I want to ask you about mm-hmm. your career path. How did you get started? Tell us about sort of getting started that way. God. You know, it's funny. I had to do this for I had to do this to get to get the job. <laughs> so it's, <laughs> it's top of, of mind because that was one of the questions that that sort of the team <laughs> asked. They were like, so what do you do and how did you get here? And I think the core thread of my career has been, you know, I'm I'm a nerd, right? I am an advertising and media nerd. Like I used to videotape commercials. Like my mom was like, I don't understand what's wrong with you. You taped commercials and not the TV shows. <laughs> and I listened to jingles and that kind of stuff. And yeah. I went to school for communications. And so I like envisioned working at like an advertising agency. Like that was... 20 something years ago, that was your path if you're going to work in advertising, right? It's like, you're going to go work at an agency and work on commercials. So I went to school for that. And then that wasn't what happened. I went to school, I got a scholarship, lost my scholarship because I learned how to party. And so then I had to come home, I had to come home and work part of the time that I was in college. And so I had a bunch of different odd jobs. One of my last jobs was as an executive assistant for a gentleman named Bob DeSena who at the time was running the econometric modeling division of Media Edge CIA. And his job at that time, and I, I feel like it was 07, maybe 06, his job at that time was to define what engagement meant for this media agency. And this is 07 when nobody's yeah. talking about engagement, nobody's talking about <laughs> click to anything, right? So his job was to define engagement and I got hired as his executive assistant and he was just kind of like, you're super smart. You can book my meetings. You can do all of these things. He's like, but that's going to take like 20% of your time. I want you to go to the meetings. I want you to listen to stuff. I want you to pay attention. And I also want you to help create this repository of articles about online advertising because our team needs to be educated about this. So I kind of got to work building like our intranet at Media Edge, CIA, our sort of deep dive of articles. And it was media post at the time. 
yeah. among other things, media posts and like OMA magazine Oma. Get in print, right? We just, we just talked about that. Like <laughs> there used to be this part in the back that would like list the best ad servers to use mm-hmm. or, the, or the best ad networks to use. It's crazy, right? And I'd read media posts and stuff like that. And then he got canned, not surprisingly at the time, because that he got canned. And then the person who became my boss after him was like, intranet, what, you're my admin, get me coffee. And I was like, fuck, what am I going to do? And so, <laughs> you know, I was like, I got to get out of here. And I think it was maybe a couple of months after that media post had put out that they were hiring for a reporter. And so I sent Bob to send out a note. I knew, and I know this is, these are the things that, you know, admins know and learn, which, which is one reason why I'm always extremely nice to people's admins, because it's also like they hold the keys to everything. Also, because I'm just a decent person, but like I'd remembered from emails with Bob and Joe Mandisi that like Bob knew Joe Mandisi directly. And so I sent Bob a note and I said, Bob, I would love to get this, this job. I have writing samples. Could you just like shoot my resume to Joe? And he's like, of course. And he shot my resume to Joe Mandisi. And like a week later, my editor, Lori Peterson, sent me a note and was like, hi, we got your resume. Can you write up this article? And I feel like it was like about some company that was doing, I think it was like search metrics or somebody like that, like before the SEO Moz days, before all of that stuff. She's like, can you write up this story? And I literally remember like trembling so hard as I was like writing this probably like 300 word piece about this company that got funding and they sent it to her and she was like this is good we want you to start next week and like that was it and so I started writing about search and there's you know and I was covering search engine marketing and this is this is when Yahoo and Microsoft still had search engines and so I learned about advertising about the sort of weird nerdy nuts and bolts side of advertising from early on and so it kind of continued from there. So I started as a reporter at Media Post. Well, I started as an executive assistant at Media Edge and then became a reporter at Media Post. I think I spent about two years at Media Post before I made the move to paid content, which doesn't exist anymore. And I got to cover video games, among other things, and, and digital media. And then I left paid content for DigiDay. <laughs> for DigiDay. <laughs> when DigiDay was, was just a young little cub in the industry. And we were doing like seven events a year and burning ourselves out. And it was crazy. And then after DigiDay, after I left DigiDay, that was the first time I worked for myself. And my first client was Rubicon Project. Mm. And I wrote their very first white paper ever. <laughs> Should be in some History. archives somewhere. Yeah, History, right. Should be in some archives somewhere. And then kind of from then on, it's like once I became known as a writer and the kind of public profile that being a journalist gives you, it was easy to continue to have my own business because people would just come to me and be like, oh, you know how to do this. And then sort of being specialized in ad tech. You know, I I joked with Lynn when she sent me the, you know, the job description about, you know, ad monsters. And I was just like, dude, it's like the trap game. They keep pulling me back. Like I try (laughs) to get out of ad tech. I try to get out of ad tech and the money is good, right? I'm like, the people are good. And so it's just like, to me, it's like the, the best trap game I've ever been in so far. Tamika, like many in the industry, Eric and I grew up within the Ad Monsters community. So curious to hear from you as the head of content. What do you love about your job at Ad Monsters? Oh 
I love being able to nerd out about ad tech, right? Like it's it's nerdy and it's technical, which is a thing. Not everybody likes talking about tags and ad servers. Not everybody knows what an ad server is. Like before I got this job, I was moonlighting. I was doing some PR for a company, for an agency here in LA. And we're doing this deep dive and they're like, yeah, well, you know, we built this thing called an ad server. And I was like, what? You built an ad server? <laughs> so like, and I'm talking, I'm talking to their CTO. This was years ago and they were doing this thing and they wanted to run these ads that could not run. And they're like, so we had to, we kind of built our own ad. I'm like, you guys built an ad server? Do you not know? Like, do you not know how innovative that was at the time? But not everybody understands what an ad server is or why an ad server is important. And so that's the part that I love about ad monsters is it's nerdy and it's technical, but it's also about media and content. And it's also about the money, right? It's this beautiful intersection of those three things that I feel like is unique. And a lot of people said to me before I took the gig, you know, the biggest thing about Ad Monsters is its community. And I think a lot of people say community and it's air quotes, you know, but as I've learned in the two months that I've been there, it really is a community. Like it's, it's a legit community. And and I am excited to to kind of be a brand steward for the community to make sure that the content we create and the events that we create serve the community as it is, but also kind of as the community shifts and evolves, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like the business of ad ops is so different than it used to be, yeah. right? Like it's it's not just about ads on pages. It's about revenue. It's about, okay, now do I have to corral the point of what we're talking to your team about later, right? How do I manage my subscriptions? How do I manage how do I manage all of these revenue facing aspects of the business? And so I wanna, you know, while making sure that we keep the community that we have happy, but also as the community changes and evolves, like Eric, you were part of the community in one role, right? And now you're in a different role. How do we serve you in that? Corral, you as a CMO how do we keep up with ad week, right? In terms of getting your attention, right? And with the understanding that there's no publication that's going to be all things to all people. Like I totally get that. But how do we sort of keep the audience that we have while expanding to meet the needs of publishers because the needs of publishers are evolving? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And uh, I want to ask you about representation with respect to the content within Ad Monsters, right? Because obviously that that's one of the reasons why Eric and I started this podcast is so that we can highlight diverse people and, and show more representation. And so I'm curious to know, how, how does that factor into the content strategy and recruiting people in either for interviews or speaking opportunities, so on and so forth? That's a very good question. You know, it's funny. It's not a soundbite answer if I have a little bit of liberty. So mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. I would say it's really funny because the team is very cognizant of it now, which I maybe because of the time, maybe because maybe because of whatever. But we had a at the end of our last pub forum, there was a panel and our chairman, Rob Beeler, had come to Lynn and I and he goes, look, I don't want this to be a mantle. I don't want this to be a mantle. I don't want this to be a a mantle with all white men. What are we going to do here? And I was like, huh, okay. And I said, well, I think we get a free pass because Lynn and I are both black women and we're the hosts. So I think think it's okay for one of the panels to be 
a mantle with white men. It's only three of you. I think it's okay. So I think the team is very conscious of that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I think that 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 may be partly why, in addition to being extremely qualified for this gig, mm-hmm. I think that might also be why the team picked me over who some of the other candidates that they could have picked, right? Because they're like, hey, is this person indicative of who we perhaps want our community to be as well, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So two is, you know, even before D&I was a thing, like I personally, whether it was at ad tech, whether it was at MMS, whether it was at DigiDay, I've always sort of looked for diverse people for conversations. It wasn't always like, oh, I need a Black dude or a Spanish person or a woman. But I was always like, how do I have different job titles in these in these sessions? Because that's going to that's gonna at least give me diverse perspectives. Mm-hmm. So, and I don't know if it's just a default because I am a Black woman. I look for, it's not that I don't look for white men. I just look for, like, I would never think to make a panel or a conversation with just, with all of anyone, if yeah. that makes sense, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's why I phrased the question around representation, right? Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, yeah, definitely. And shout out to to Rob Beeler, too, who is very intentional about his allyship as well, too, and does an awesome job. Absolutely. And I think the other piece that, and it's something that he even said to me the other day was, he was like, yeah, we're, we're doing good with our virtual events. He's like, but you know, as you talk to our speakers or as you talk as we talk to our sponsors who are going to come to the real world events right because it's a it's a three-day thing it's a whole shebang you might call it a boondoggle which we're going to get away from but they have to send diverse people to the events as well Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so there's that on a personal standpoint you know one of my missions this year is to get us either i'm trying to stay off clubhouse because i i'm an android user so whatever but to get us a either I want us to do a Twitch stream or something like a Twitter spaces slash clubhouse, because I think that the younger sort of not just younger in age, but sort of I think that there are different ways that we can reach our audience mm-hmm. and different mediums than just video chats and Zoom calls mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And I think like, why wouldn't we have an Ad Monsters Twitch stream? Like, why? Mm-hmm. Why not? Like, I'm not saying we got to do it every week, but once a month, let's get on there. I don't know. Maybe we play video games together. Maybe we don't. But like, I don't know if that answered the question. We are conscious of diversity. I think it's sort of not to say that I get a free pass, but it's almost like by default, my I am going to be looking for more diverse voices. And we're also going to try some different platforms to get different voices into the conversation. Gotcha. Okay. Love that. Love that. So we've talked a lot about sort of the state of the industry, representation. What excites you about the future of our industry and and where we're going in ad tech? (laughs) I would joke and say, it's the fact that we'll be able to serve ads in VR at some point, but that's a lie. I think... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, we've talked a lot, not we, I think our industry has talked a lot about sort of the democratization of content. Mm-hmm. But I think the first wave of that was probably the democratization of the creation of content. And now we're at this place where the monetization of that content is democratized, right? That's what's exciting to me. That like, if I wanted to go and 
Well, I, I, I do. I have a visual podcast with a girlfriend of mine. It's all about astrology and the whole nine. And like, we can go direct to sponsors with this podcast at a certain point. Like, it doesn't need to be, I don't need a million dollar IO for me to be happy with monetizing my side hustle podcast. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, if, we, if I can make an extra, I don't know, an extra grand a month, an extra over the year, cover the hosting costs or like allow us to sort of do these cool things, then that's going to make me happy. And I think that we are much closer to being able to do that now than even two years ago. And so the way that more people can make money through the content that they create and the fact that ad tech sort of empowers that is really exciting to me. Mika, you know, I, I want to ask you about some of your experiences in life and then at work. Sure. You know, and I have to imagine that you've handled issues at some point of discrimination. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I've never directly sort of had to address anything. And that's not to say that things didn't happen, but I just, I think by existing and by being in the room a lot of times and sort of being unabashedly who I am, like, I mean, I've, I've had dreads for a very long time. I have a, a half of a shaved head. I, you know what I mean? I'm very clearly a black woman. <laughs> and so I think that sometimes just being in the room has been enough. I mean. So I guess what I would say is, it's almost like I'm happy that the issues of diversity and inclusion are taking center stage and being focused on, but it's been what I've, what I've experienced. Like I, I'm used to being at places and being the only Black woman. I'm used to being at places and I, oh, and then seeing someone like Carell and B and we do the Black nod and we go, okay. <laughs> and then just kind of, and then just kind of sort of move on. And so it's not to say that I haven't been discriminated against. I just, I've been lucky enough that the roles that I've had have been prominent and sort of gatekeeper-ish. And so that you're not going to come speak at a conference because, because a Black woman invited you. All right, that's your own. You know what I mean? You've just made your own stupid choice and decision, right? I think that the younger me probably got paid less than I would have gotten paid because I was a Black woman. And because I didn't ask for things in a specific way, but that, but I very quickly working for myself had to learn how to advocate for myself and get to a point where it's like, oh, you think it's too expensive? Well, then I guess I'm, you're not my client. It's okay. You know, I don't know if that, that answered. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, everybody's experiences are are unique, you know, and I think what's what's fascinating, Carol and I, as we've talked with so many people, you know, there's a sometimes a side of us that, as you mentioned, sort of sees, recognize what's happened, but then also quickly adapts to a part where you just move on. Mm-hmm. Right? You know, like you you had so many experiences where there are microaggressions or they're just things that, you know, people just don't sort of think about as they're happening. But then for us as a mechanism to get beyond it, to not bring us down, to not have it affect us you almost don't even recognize it you say you know what i'm like teflon it's off right and you move forward you know and it's funny and so now that you say that i'm like oh yeah the microaggressions there's of course the little things where especially because it's ad tech right and especially because it's nerdy people don't think i could get into the weeds and, <laughs> and but then very quickly what happens is i ask them a question and they're like, and then they're like 
you know, and I'm like, yeah, no, no, no. I think of a, a recent example where I was working with someone who, um, some web copy for a company that was launching a CTV product. And they were just like, yeah, well, you know, it's cookie list based attribution. And, and I was like, okay, so then how are you tracking people? And the guy goes, oh no, it's, it's not cookies. And I said, okay, it's not cookies. <laughs> but how are you? I said, okay, so where does the data go that you are appending to this piece of information? He goes, oh, a tag. And I said, okay, thank you. So it's tag based, right? And so I think, I mean, I guess I'm... <laughs> too smart for you to discriminate against me. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like, you can't. But I am grateful for organizations like the Ad Tech Collective. I am grateful for podcasts like Minority Report. I am, you know, I think that not everybody handles things the same way. Not everybody Mm -hmm. has that New Yorker inside of them, right? That has made you have the Teflon. And so the microaggressions are, you know, they happen often. I can, I think of another example of, Another video, these video companies are definitely problematic. There's another video company I worked with and they had like a town hall thing with their whole team. And I just remember there was one gentleman of color and he was facility staff, right? Like so he was, you know, helping to keep the, the place clean. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one of the guys who I don't think, I work with the marketing team and he was on that dev team or whoever knows or whatever. And he was like going into the refrigerator and he was like, oh, do you know like which day the recycling comes or da 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 da? And I looked at him and I was like, nope, not part of your team. And no, I don't work in the facilities team, you know? And I just, do I think that he was attempting to put me down or say you are a facilities person? No, but I think that the only people, the only brown people on their team worked to clean the facility, right? And so... But again, I think having been the only chip in the cookie, as a friend of mine likes to call us, having been the only chip in a cookie for a long time, I guess a lot of that has not phased me. Yeah. I thank you for sharing you know, your experiences, <laughs> you know, and I'm curious, you know, you have maybe some folks in your life you've you've encountered, you know, I don't want to just say mentors, but people mm-hmm. have been helpful along oh the way. Oh my God. Yeah. Talk about some of those folks. Yeah. You know, I just did this post. It was like International Women's Day. And I did this post of these women that have empowered my career. Like my first mentor was a woman named Jean Sagara Rosa. She's an amazing artist based out of Brooklyn, like a visual artist. And she was the director of this teen arts learning pro, teen arts intensive program. We got to do pottery and we got to do drama. We got to do illustrations and stuff. Again, one of the perks of going to sort of a gifted school, right? We had money to go do these other things. And she bought me my first book that that sort of made me realize I could be a writer. It's called Bone Black by Bell Hooks. And she just, she always listened and she always encouraged. And she was just empowering before empowering was a word. And so Jean Sagara Rosa has been an amazing mentor in my career. There's a woman named Amy Warrior Jansen. She was my first... In addition to Rubicon Project, she was my first other client. We worked with a company called MLG Pro, which was esports way before esports was a thing. And my editor, Lori Peterson at Media Post, kind of helped groom me. And then Krista Thomas, who is in Moby now, worked with her for a number of years. That's to Krista. A shout out to Krista. <laughs> Rebecca Lieb. I don't know if you guys know Rebecca Lieb. She used to be with Altimeter Group. Yep, she's my mentor. So it's like I've had, I've been lucky enough to have lots of women 
empower me in my career. Not to say that men haven't, but Doug Weaver from Upstream Group, when I left ad tech and went to go live in Spain for a couple of months, Doug Weaver was like, you want a job? I was like, not a job, but I'll take a client. And, and, so, <laughs> and so that um, worked with Doug at the Seller Forum. And actually, Nick Freeze from DigiDay, although we parted ways in a combustive way, he kind of gave me my first shot on the event side of things. So I've definitely been lucky enough to have you know, people who believed in me, people who encouraged me, people who helped kind of hone my expertise and like to kind of get me to be clear about what I'm good at mm-hmm. and to advocate for myself. I've been really lucky to have people like that. Is that something you sought out early on in your career or did it just sort of naturally happen? I think it naturally happened. You know, again, I think being a journalist, right, was probably one of the best things that I could have done, (laughs) like the best careers that I could have taken because it gave me visibility in a way and it gave my talent's visibility in a way that other people could see them and go, hey, this person is really good at what they do. I Mm. want to help this person. I want to, you know, I think sometimes people just need room to shine Mm. and then someone can see them and go, you are a rock star. Like, let's go do this. Mm. You raise a good point. I think you're right. People do need room to shine. But at the same time, when you are given that room to shine or that opportunity or a door opens, it's super important that you take advantage of that, right? Too, as an individual. Yeah. You have to. It's the combination, right? It's, it's right. I think it's that nature and that nurture, right? There's this, there's this environment and this opportunity. What are you going to do to take advantage of it? What are you mm-hmm. going to do to, you know, to make the best of it? And especially now with like, there's no re well, there are lots of reasons <laughs> you could be mentally burnt out from the pandemic, which is a whole other thing, right? right. There's no reason to not pursue something that that you want to pursue, right? Mm. Like you don't have to quit your job to make a music career. You don't have to do this to do this. You can you can do these things at the same time, right? Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. What advice would you give to anyone that is looking to enter ad tech and have a career mm. in ad tech? Mm, that is a good question. You know, I would say one would be find the area of ad tech that interests you the most. I know that sounds cliche, right? But like not everybody wants to, you don't have to be an engineer, right? Like you don't have to build the products. You Mm -hmm. can help sell the products. You can help market the products. You can be the customer success team that helps solve people's problems, right? So Mm -hmm. I think it's figure out kind of which piece of the ad tech industry you're interested in. And then also, I would definitely say, read. Like there are so many playbooks, not just from AdMonsters, there's playbooks, <laughs> there's websites, there's like you, I don't think you can coast in ad tech in the same way that you can in some other parts of advertising, just because it does get into the weeds and it does get a little nitty gritty. And you're dealing with the other smart people, right? Like you're dealing with these people that are nerdy enough to like code a little something but don't want to do the whole don't want to be an entire engineer right and so it's like you can't fake it i think i mean i don't know what do you guys think can you fake it i don't think you can fake it 
No, no, you you can't you can't fake it. And I, I think also too, our industry is always changing, always evolving. I mean, going back to your earlier point about how adops means something completely different today than it did, you know, 10, 15 years ago. Right. And so I totally agree with you. Reading, staying informed, challenging yourself, knowing that no one has all the answers in our industry as well, too. Mm-hmm. I think it's super important to, to recognize and being self-aware. And I think I would add to that. I would say probably one of the first sort of ways to get into our industry would be in like a customer success or like a customer onboarding role because it's going to expose you to the product itself. It's also going to expose you to the, your cost to the customers of the product and their needs. And then as you kind of want to roll up further in the industry, I think it would work. I also think I can speak specifically from the marketing perspective, mm-hmm. right? Like if you are a marketer in another industry and you understand how to tell a story, you understand what the customer journey is. If you were a solid marketer in another industry, you can probably get transition into a marketing role in ad tech. You may not go be the VP of marketing instantly, but I think marketing is a good entree as well. I, of course, would agree with that. (laughs) (laughs) Right? (laughs) Definitely, definitely. All right, Tamika, fun question we like asking every guest that we have on the podcast, which (laughs) is to give us the top three apps that you use on your phone. You cannot name email, Mm -hmm. calendar, or text messaging. I was ready for this. All right. I'm ready right. for this. Um, <laughs> we know Clubhouse isn't one. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, SoundCloud. Yeah. SoundCloud is my jam. Yeah. IG, as much as I would like for it to not be, it's... It just it's sucks you in, doesn't it? It does. It just does. <laughs> and I buy stuff now. It's like... Oh, okay. Right? <laughs> and Reddit. Because I'm a true nerd. <laughs> I'm a true nerd. Those are my three. Tamika, thanks for hanging out with us. Thank where, you, guys. Where can our audience connect with this true nerd? What are so some you can find me on Twitter at Geeky Chick, G-E-E-K-Y-C-H-I-C, because I'm chic and I'm a geek. And then also you can find my astrology podcast at spiritual-geeks.com. You can follow us on In Transit Show on IG and on Twitch. Nice. Or you can email me, TamikaKey at gmail.com. Excellent. Thanks so much for hanging with us. And thanks again for listening, everyone. You can find more episodes where you find all of your audio and video. Just search Minority Report Podcast. Thanks. <laughs>